Hey there, welcome to another episode of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, and I am super excited for this episode. We are talking all things social media with none other than the social media dynamo and consultant, the owner of Inspired Social Company, <clears throat> Stephanie Paradiso. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming. Hi, thanks for having me. So this is this whole episode is a paradox. It's irony because... Um, we're filming a podcast. We're talking social media. It's going to get pushed out um, in all uh, media outlets. And as a matrimonial lawyer, I despise social media. And I want to shut it, the shit down. Okay? But today, we're actually going to talk about the importance of social media and when and how to use it. And so I thought, who would be the best person to talk about it? And I thought none other than you well, i'm honored thank you so why don't you before um there's a, so much to talk about so before uh we talk about um how you got there can you just share with the audience what you do sure so i am a social media consultant but i didn't start out this way my background is that i've been an entrepreneur since i'm 22 years old and I first started in the business world selling prom dresses in a brick and mortar shop with no experience, no business experience, no fashion experience. Um, so that was like my first, you know, toe in the water. And back then, this is 2012, not a lot of people were using Facebook for business and Instagram was like brand new. There was, it was just like a new platform and no one really know what to do with it. So that was kind of like my first uh, crash course into using social media and navigating it. And, and since then, over the last decade, that store brought me a lot of different opportunities. And now what I do today is take my 10 years of experience and help business owners navigate how they're showing up on social media and the way that they're connecting with their audience, finding their ideal audience, and really using it purposefully and strategically. I love it. Do you still have your prom dress? I don't. Oh, no, yeah. my prom dress? Yeah, actually, so, probably somewhere, yeah. It's like, this is like so fortuitous because now you see on social media, everybody is posting like their kids' pictures on, you know, in the, at least my friends because of how old I am, you know, all their kids are uh, going to prom, so Yeah, I my digress. best friend's daughter is going to prom, so I, I love it. I love to see it. That's how the trends change and how, how old I feel because they're so different. That is so funny. So, um, so you were saying, so you, you transformed and like at some point you decided this is a way to build personal brand, right? Yeah. And can you, can you kind of, can you elaborate on that? Sure. So building a personal brand is kind of something that happened accidentally just from the natural like progression of the different businesses that I started. So I had my store and I had a lot of um, amazing customers that still support me in business today. So in this 10 year journey, which is awesome. And they kind of got to know me, right? Even though my store had a store name and it was a boutique and people would come in, they always saw me. So we had relationships and um, we started following each other on social media. So that, so 10 years ago, this is like the advent of it. Then I moved and I did different types of businesses after I I closed that prom store and um, I wanted to kind of have like this hub on social media where people could follow me in all my different ventures um, and so then a personal brand was born 
by accident. And now today it's something that I actively nurture and try to build because having influence is a really powerful thing. When you have influence and you have this big personal brand, you can create an umbrella for yourself and put lots of different tributaries in your business, which is what I have now. I love it. And so listen, there's, you're not the only person that does this. There's a lot of people out there that, uh, that do this nowadays. What separates you from those other people? I love this question. So this is something that we talk about in coaching with my clients all the time. It's like one of the first questions that I ask people, what makes you different? What makes you special? Because if you don't know what sets you apart, it's, it's really hard to stand out, right? There's a million people that do what I do. And so why would somebody choose to come to me? Um, first of all, I think the fact that I've been an entrepreneur, so this is not my first business, and I've had different iterations of businesses, brick and mortar, I've been in sales, I've been in a digital business. So I understand what it's like to build something from nothing, like be in the trenches. Um, at my store, I used to joke like I was the janitor, the bookkeeper, right. the buyer, and the checkout person. And so that's the life of an entrepreneur when you're building and you're trying to scale. Sure. So I think that, that that's what makes me special. That's what sets me apart because like I understand exactly how my clients are feeling at that moment. And then adding social media on top of it, they're like, I can't do all the things, right? And so trying to figure out purpose behind what we're going to do so that way we can understand how to use social media as a tool for growth rather than just like something we have to show up and do and like add to our plate because everybody is doing it that's really important I think the other thing too that that sets me apart is that I really um, love to just understand my clients business right so um, whatever you know right now I have I'll give you an example Uh, one of my clients Jen she's a nonprofit consultant so I'm learning the business of nonprofit consulting and And I love to like come back and say, okay, listen, this is something that a lot of people are not doing in your industry. I think it would really set you apart. And that's actually kind of fun for me because I get to learn new things all the time and I get to be excited about the content and the material that I'm sharing with my clients, just as if like they were, you know, discovering it and we're kind of doing it together. So that excitement and I guess just my desire to want to continue to learn is is kind of what sets me apart and makes it fun for me. Awesome. So now... So, and how do you operate? So, like, a, a client comes to you or someone, whether um, whether they have a presence or they want to have a presence. I'm, I'm guessing everybody has a presence at this point. Um, but let's – can you just share for someone out there who who may want your help, they know that they want your help, or they don't even realize, but they, they do need your help, what happens next? Sure. So within Inspired Social Co, there's two legs. There's done-for-you services, which is like management, graphic design, all the stuff where we would physically or digitally come in and, and really do for you. And then there's the coaching side of it, which is probably the bulk of my business right now. And in coaching, whenever you hire a coach or whenever you embark on a coaching relationship, it's really like a partnership. And that's kind of where the expectation starts. For someone that wants to show up strategically on social media, they have to be willing to put in the time and the work and make it part of like, you know, just as though for you, you know, being a divorce attorney, you're not going to show up to court without, you know, researching, knowing what you're doing, knowing your strategy, right? That's part of your job. That's what you get paid for. We need to come in with the mentality that if you're going to coach, this is go- you're going to be accountable to me, but you're also going to be accountable to yourself. And so when we start the relationship, you have to be willing to show up 
and do the work in order to move forward. Um, so that's kind of like where the relationship of coaching starts. And then um, I have some clients that come in and do one-on-one sessions with me. Um, maybe we've coached in the past together. Maybe they have a strategy already, but they just kind of need like a little bit of a check-in. Um, but what I really enjoy and, and the bulk of my coaching is multi-week coaching. So being able to meet on a regular basis once a week for an hour and really dive into some of the things that are going to move the needle for them, both in their business and on social and kind of how the two marry together. Got it. And so, and, and is there like a, um, some sort, like what's the price, like not the price, but what's like the fee structure? Is there like a a monthly retainer? Is there a transactional, you know, per project? Yeah, so it's going to be based either if you're doing something like a done-for-you service, um, that's going to be per project based off of what you ask us to do. For management, there's going to be a monthly commitment for that. Um, And then for coaching, um, you pay up front for your weeks, so that way I can set that time aside for you in my calendar for as long as our coaching relationship is, whatever. It's four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Got it. And do you focus, you know, there's so much, there's so much available to, I guess, to the consumer. There's Facebook, and some people won't touch Facebook. Then there's Instagram, you know, uh, and then there's LinkedIn, and the list goes on and on. So do you focus on all of those uh, media apps or do, uh, social media apps, or there's is there... Does it depend on the client? Yeah. So I focus a lot on Instagram because just in my opinion, it's one of the most discoverable platforms. You'll be able to have um, people that don't know you yet discover your content based off of some of the strategies that we implement. Um, But I also work with Facebook. Um, I do a lot of work with my coaching clients on developing Facebook groups and how that community can really convert into sales over time if you nurture it. Um, LinkedIn, we do a lot of... uh, uh, email marketing. So it's not just limited to Instagram, but I would say if somebody's coming to me and they're like, I don't know where to start, I would say, let's, you know, let's figure out some Instagram strategy because you can apply a lot of those principles um, to to whatever you're doing in terms of your digital real estate on the internet. Um, so kind of like what makes you special, figuring out your brand message, how do you connect with your audience, who's your ideal audience? Those are the principles of marketing in a business, right, that would be applied to a lot of the platforms. And then the nuances, the specific strategies that we build out based off of where that client wants to show up or where they're currently showing up is something that we would do in coaching. Got it. And you, when we, were, when we spoke um, before this, you said something that, to me, really struck a nerve. And you talked about being authentic and being vulnerable in shares. And, you know, there's, there's a, always, it, it, it's a theme that runs through, a, people talk about this all the time, about um, showing who you are as a person online. And a lot of times, you see the online reality is so far different than what is really at play. Can you, can you talk t- to the issue just about, you know, being true to yourself on social media? Yeah, of course. I think that this is such a great question and such a great topic because, you know, in this in this day and age, I think people can smell bullshit from a mile away. Like, you can really... People know who's authentic. People can 
see if things are like overly edited or if you're just trying to fit, you know, into a box. And so I think that when you show up on social media, at least, you know, for me and my personal brand, right? So I have Inspired Social Quo and then I also have Stephanie Linda Paradiso, which is my personal brand, my blog. That's where I talk about motherhood and and uh, body confidence and body image and birth. And, and so for me on that platform, showing up as my authentic self, like who Steph is, that to me is like the number one way that I connect and build community and, and have influence because I'm sharing the things that are true to me and my experience. And I think that people are craving that, especially right now, right after just coming through 2020 and the pandemic, people want community. People want to see other people that they can relate to and people are going through shit. And when they can see someone, they're like, I have this shared experience. It's really um, refreshing. And I know that for me, I, how many times in life, like think about the stuff that you've gone through, right? Um, whether it's divorce or whether it's issues with body image or, um, you know, for me, when I had my first daughter, it was like, uh, this is hard and this, this sucks. And I, I don't, I think I made a mistake, you know, feeling that way and not having somewhere to go to or someone to relate to or feeling like you can't talk about it is really hard. But then when you could find somebody that has a, that shared story, um, I think that you've just like built an audience that's going to stick around for life because you're, you're able to connect on that deep emotional level with them. So it's a pretty powerful story stuff i totally and i um i was going to jump in a little bit later on that but since you already hit it let's talk about it. and i i love like in your uh title and you would know the words better because i am not an instagram like expert uh, at all but right in the description you talk about like you're you're sharing your vulnerability right there you know the mid-size fashion and I, that really, that hits home for me. You know, I've struggled with weight uh, for my whole life. You know, um, I got a lot of things from my parents and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, it was certainly uh, the uh, physical genes. And, um, and it really, you know, that's, we're all, you know, especially on social media where people are blurring photos and doctoring photos. You, you hear these crazy stories now. There's like a photo of somebody. It's not even them. They were not even in the room wherever that was taking. And now you're, you're putting this right out there yourself, Stephanie, and you're saying, hey, this is me, and you're embracing yourself. And every, that this is, at the end of the day, this is a podcast for human beings and for relationships and whether you're going through a divorce or not this speaks to everybody i don't care big small you know whatever color you're you are you're dealing with struggles and for you kudos to you for doing that and i just um it, it my my guess is this you're very comfortable in your own skin okay what were you always this way Great question. Um, so much to unpack, right? Okay. Sorry. So no, no. I mean, this is the truth of of dealing with body image and the way that we see ourselves, right? This is a podcast about relationships. The most important relationship you'll ever have is the one that you have with yourself. And a lot of times- Well, that's right there. Just write down whatever <laughs> the number that was. That's it's true though. Like if you don't like yourself, you know, that you live with that. And it's so hard. I mean, for me growing up, um, I was always a kid that was like bigger than my peers and, and not to be like thin or fat, you know, skinny or whatever, just big boned, like just a bigger kid. 
And when I was a teenager and I would see pictures of myself, like in, you know, whatever, like probably like my daughter's age, like four or five or six, I would cringe. I'm like, oh my God, I'm tremendous in comparison. But that was, you know, like all in my head, right? But I was just always a bigger kid. And now with my daughter, who is four and a half, she's kind of built like the same way. She's just, she's just bigger than the rest of her peers. And there's nothing wrong with that. And to me, there always was something wrong with that. That was just like the way that my mind was, even from a little kid being so aware of this. So now that I have two daughters of my own, I'm like, this, first of all, this is not something that was like happened yesterday. Um, it takes a long time to go through this journey and to feel comfortable in your own skin. And it's something I battled with for such a long time and still do. Cause I would be lying if I was like, you know, it's, it's so easy for me to show up on the internet in a bathing suit sure. or just like, you know, feel my best wherever I go. Um, it's ongoing. But when I had my first daughter, I, I was like, I don't want her to grow up with this mindset. I want her to feel confident no matter how she looks. I want her to feel empowered. I want her to look at herself and not see the, you know, hate herself for the things that she doesn't see. I want her to love herself for all that she is and her talents and her gifts and, and looks aside, right? Cause we're so much more than just how we look mm -hmm. and so much pressure. I think, um, is put on um, men and women, right? And I think that this is a topic that, you know, per, my husband and I always joke that there's like women's groups on Facebook, right? Mom groups. And he's like, well, men have groups too. <laughs> and I'm like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see, you know, because I'm sure the posts drastically are different. But the way that women... What groups are those? <laughs> <laughs> the way that women um, compare ourselves to, to what we feel like we should be or what we don't have is really self-deprecating. So I'm on a mission to kind of change that narrative. Um, and it starts with me and it starts with the way that I talk to myself um, and, and, and kind of like how I value myself, right? Because if we don't have that good appreciation for ourselves, we're going to be, first of all, looking for it all over the place that, and th we can, this is like a whole other topic, but like for many years in my marriage, I was looking at my husband to give me that validation that I felt like I didn't have, or like I couldn't give myself because I felt like I wasn't enough. But then when I started to kind of like shift my mindset and just own it and be like, listen, like, what am I going to do? Beat myself up for the rest of my life because I feel like I don't like the way I look. There's so many other things that are worse in this life that you could be besides being, you know, feeling like you don't have the perfect body. You could be a criminal. <laughs> you know, you could be a murderer. You could be somebody that is dishonest. You could be a million things that are worse than being fat. And that's why I feel like that word should not even be like in a vocabulary. That's real powerful shit right there. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I heard my six-year-old the other day talk about he didn't want a dessert or something and he was saying he's on a diet. And I'm just like, man, I failed him on that one, you know. And um, I do such, you know, I, I make such a concerted effort, like to your point, about not pushing that down on my kids. And, but it's, it's a reality. And, um, and so I get it. And it's not easy because you don't want... Um, we don't want our kids to deal with the same struggles. Um, but I love how you said that once you started loving yourself, you didn't need to look for somebody else because that's whether it's weight or whatever happiness, you know, if the, the more you're looking for happiness from other people, 
you know, your all of those relationships, whatever your crutch is or your, you know, insecurity, those relationships are just are doomed to fail. Yeah, so true. And so, you know, I think that's just so many people can learn from what you have to say. You know, I know it's certainly easier to say than do, but yeah. God bless. It takes a long time. And I think it's not just about weight, such a bigger conversation than that. It's just about feeling comfortable in who we are and not feeling worried about being judged. Like who gives a shit? Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's June, right? It's, it's beach season time right. to like put your bathing suit on. How many people are like cowering in a dressing room or like afraid to go to a party or like feel like they can't be comfortable. And it's not because like they are physically uncomfortable, probably nine, 10 out of ten, nine times out of 10. It's not, it's because they feel like they're going to be judged by somebody else. Well, guess what? Everybody else feels the same way. They're not worried about you. They're worried about themselves. Sure. So I think that this idea of like, you know, just saying fuck it. And just like, this is who I am. And just owning it is so liberating. Um, and it takes time, but the more, more that you practice this kind of attitude, um, the better life is because you just don't care. And I it just it. doesn't limit you from doing the things that you really want to do that bring you joy because you're worried about how you look or, you know, how other people are going to perceive you. Yeah, I love it. So do you think that you're throwing this out there um, has helped your business? Um, so I think that it helps me connect with people on a real genuine level. And, and by the way, stephanielindaparadiso.com started really before Inspired Social Co. So I was building this personal brand and, and this version of kind of Can you say it slower so people can find you? stephanielindaparadiso.com is my blog. And you can also find me on Instagram, same handle. Um, but that started before kind of like the way Inspired Social Co. looks right now. So I've been doing a lot of work at like building a platform, seeing what works, what doesn't work, but really building community. And that's kind of like where that the, the piece connects to Inspired Social Co. How do you connect with people? How do you know who your audience is so you can speak to them? Um, so I do think, yes, it, you know, kind of they feed each other, but my personal uh, account is not necessarily going to be like the ideal person for inspired social co and that's okay um to me building the influence allows me to have different tributaries in my business which i really love because i am multi-passionate and i feel like everybody is right i mean this podcast is a great example and a lot of the different things that you do um outside of being a divorce attorney uh allow us to explore different interests so to me that's I, I just genuinely love connecting with other people and sharing this message and not just about body image, but also about being a mom, being a working mom, um, you know, get, giving birth to two kids, uh, one during pandemic and like how crazy that was. So that the aspect of being to connect with people on a real authentic level brings me a lot of joy. And then people seeing what I do and then asking me for advice and helping them build their business also brings me joy, but in a different way. So I, I love it, and I want, I want to talk about the mom part, and I certainly want to talk about having a baby during the pandemic because that is just like, that's a, that's a podcast right there. <laughs> um, but just to tie the loop on, you know, you and building influence, people talk about, oh, I need to have all these followers, and, you know, you have, you know, a very substantial following, and you've built that organically, um, can you speak to, you know, the people who are listening and, you know, there's some people say, oh, I must have as many followers as possible. 
And other people say, well, yeah, you could have all the followers in the world, but if they're not engaging with you, what the hell is it even doing? So can you, can you speak to somebody who's struggling with, with those issues? Yeah, for sure. So this is like the number one thing that people come to me and say, they're like, I want more followers. I want to grow my following. I want to grow. I want to grow. And I said, that's great. But what kind of growth are we looking for? Right? Because first of all, overnight growth on Instagram is not something that can easily be achieved, right? It's a slow burn. It takes time. And we want to also make sure that you're building with the right people. So I always say follower count doesn't equal, you know, the money in the bank, right? It's, it, it's, it's not even correlated because you could have 500 followers and you could be having, you know, 20K months mm -hmm. from a very small subset of people, right? So it's, it's are these people connected to your uh, message? Do they care about what you have to say? Are they engaged or are they just there for the sake of being there? Um, I know lots of people that have big, big audiences because maybe they bought followers because they felt like they needed to have this sense of legitimacy, like no one's going to buy from me unless I show them that I have, you know, $10,000, sure. whatever it is. And that mindset could really be a slippery slope because, it, you know, maybe you buy followers, they're just, they're bots, they don't do anything, they don't right. ever contribute to your ROI. So like, who are you fooling? You know, um, I would rather, you know, do I mean, my brain also operates very differently, right? When I look at a business and I, I'm analyzing it in a different way, right? But for someone that is like the average consumer, I feel like people are, are pretty smart. Like they're wise about this and they can see like if someone's engagement doesn't align, if you have, you know, 200,000 right. followers and you get 10 likes, like something's not right. So I think the consumer is also really smart in this space as well right now. Um, so my advice is if you're caught up on follower count or you're constantly checking the number, how many people unfollow you, forget about that. Worry about connecting with the people that actually care what you have to say and could be an ideal client if you don't know your ideal customer avatar like the back of your hand that's where you need to start because if you don't know who you're speaking to you cannot actually talk to them right i love it so let's go back let's go back to the juicy stuff and the, the kids and home life uh, it is a relationship podcast, obviously, so we have to do that. Um, so let's talk about being a mom and during the pandemic. Let's first talk about, so yeah, you have a baby during the pandemic. Uh, there's going to be a lot of babies coming as a result of the pandemic. Sure. But now, so now you're in lockdown and you give birth to your little one. Yeah. That so, must have been crazy. Um, wild. Just a wild year last year. But also, um, in my experience, for the people that I work with, right, so many of my clients come to me and they're like, 2020 was amazing because it gave me clarity. I started a new business. I revamped this. So I have similar, you know, for me in that capacity, some things are different and very positive, but overall very hard and challenging. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate because this is like totally new territory that nobody knew how to navigate. Um, and just being pregnant during this time kind of adds another layer to it. That's like, um, I would probably say just more stressful because I was like constantly worried about getting sick and then testing positive in the hospital right and, you know uh, by the time that i gave birth it was august but a lot of those things were very um real 
like at like around April and um, you know the stuff where like your support person couldn't be in the room with you when you give birth sure. like really crazy stuff that nobody should have to think about um, and luckily by August everything was like you know okay um, but I think that my experience <laughs> was a little different too because my husband um, worked every single day um, he's uh, in the concrete industry and construction was considered essential um, you know which it was good because he still had a job, but also really hard because I was home by myself with no help. And I, I you know, had my, my older one. Um, so that was really interesting. And, um, you know, just the stress of me freaking out and my husband being like, what are you worried about? You know, just calm down. Right. <laughs> it's like famous last words, just calm down. It's so easy. <laughs> um, you know, so the, that dynamic and the back and forth was, uh, interesting. Um, but it all worked out, so it was okay. <laughs> we got through it. And so you mentioned your husband. And when we spoke and I, w I was asking you, you know, how does he feel about you sharing, you know, your world on social media? And you told me that your husband's a very private person. So can you just speak to, like, that, you know, issue of... of how you're able to, you know, you're managing and living, uh, you know, a quote unquote public existence and also sharing, you know, your life partner is someone who's very private. Yeah. So this is actually interesting because my husband, Chris, he's like on the opposite end of the spectrum. He'll go on Facebook and scroll, but doesn't really post anything. It's like very rare for him to do that. Um, Instagram too. And here I am sharing this, you know, sharing a lot of what I do in the public eye. Um, and so two things. Number one, communication is very important for us. He is very supportive of, of what I do and always has been. I am extremely lucky um, to have a partner that really believes in me and is supportive of what I want to do. Um, but there are things that I share that apply to both of us, right? Like my children have two parents. It's not just me as a mom. It's us as parents, mm -hmm. my husband as a father. And so when I post things that relate to them or a little bit more personal, um, I always will ask him, do you want to read this? Or I'll say, is it okay? You know, so for example, um, in 2019, I had a miscarriage and I said to my husband, I, I'm really, I really want to share this. I think it's an important piece of my life and I think I have the platform to be able to share it. Are you okay with it? And, um, you know, he said, can I read the post? So I always talk about if there I are love things. It. Yeah, that's important to me. Um, cause I want to respect also his boundaries. Boundaries are very important to me and I like freak out if somebody cannot respect my boundaries. So I want to give my husband the same courtesy. Um, and then also I think that, um, it is kind of like this weird thing because when you put yourself on the internet, um, people will say mean things. I mean, it's right. just part of the course. Sure. So sometimes people will comment something or, you know, and we'll laugh about it. Or sometimes it's like really nasty or mean. And, you know, of course he gets upset, but they don't know us. So who are sure. they to pass judgment? And you just kind of ignore it and move on with your day. Um, but I think that kind of gets to him. But the communication is important. He's supportive. Um, but I don't like it's very rare that he'll show up on on my Instagram or, you know, participate. And do you have being in a healthy relationship with your spouse? Do you have any wisdom for people out there listening who uh, may be struggling or just 
starting in a relationship? Um, so Chris and I will be married for seven years on Monday. And we've been together for Congratulations. 10. Thank you. So I've known him since I'm 22 years old. And he was um, just turning 25 when, when we started dating. So we're young, right? I'm just out of college. And I have my whole life. Like I'm growing, in, I'm growing into the Stephanie that I am now at 32 years old, right? So I think that when you get together young, um, sometimes people have the tendency to grow together or grow up and kind of grow apart because you're discovering who you are in a new capacity. Um, and so for my husband and I, I think that we've, we've made a conscious effort to grow together. Um, and so that looks really like relearning your marriage in different stages of life. So like I had to relearn our marriage when I had my store. I had to relearn our marriage when we had kids that, you know, and then adding a second kid. So kind of like navigating this and, and understanding that things will change and kind of evolve over time. Um, I think the other thing too, that, um, probably if you were here, he'd like laugh if you say healthy marriage, (laughs) like maybe he's going to want to, you know, come in and, and speak for himself. Um, but all kidding aside, I think one of the things that does allow us to have a healthy marriage and a strong marriage is the fact that we realize that while marriage is a partnership, it's not always going to be 50, 50, like a lot of the time it's like 60, 40, um, a lot of times 80, 20, and like I'm pulling only the 20% and he's picking up a lot of the slack and I'm very thankful for that. And that's how I'm able to do all the things on my business because I have a partner that will jump in when he needs to jump in, especially with our kids. Um, and I, I think that having, you know, when people say marriage is a partnership, it's 50, 50, that's not realistic because I'm never going to be able to always meet him sure. halfway. Um, so I think that having that philosophy, um, and like, you know, the joke is like marriage is compromise. Yeah. Compromising what I want <laughs> so that the other person gets what they want. But sometimes we do, we have to compromise and you have to realize that's not always going to be, you know, even Stevens. I get it. So I want to circle back. Okay. Uh, I, I opened this up with, you know, the, the issue with social media in a divorce. Okay. So we have to talk about it uh, because this is my world. Okay. And I would love to hear your input on it. Um, I typically, when I meet with, a prospective client and we're talking about advice and we're on the issue of custody or preparing for on the financial aspects, um, both equally important. It's really important to uh, get a hold of your social media. I think people are just stupid, I think, and foolish and don't think about when they're doing things. And it's... Uh, certainly true when it comes to social media. And I've talked about it several times on these, you know, in these episodes uh, about how it comes up all the time uh, in litigation or you're trying to settle a deal and someone does something and it, a deal goes sideways. So can you talk about that? Um, I say shut it down and but perhaps it doesn't need to go that way. Maybe you can just be a little bit smarter. Um, so can you share your insight? So I agree. I think the best thing to do is to not be on social media during that period of time. And it's not because, um, 
you're going to be, you know, stupid and, and post something, you know, like you drinking when it's supposed to be your weekend or like you're out until 3 a.m., whatever, right? There are so many different scenarios and situations. Um, but there may be things that can be misconstrued that seem really innocuous. Um, or you may leave a comment on somebody else's, you sure. know, you know that that's like the crazy part of especially Facebook, right? Um, if I comment on your content, now, now other people, you know, unless I'm super, super, super private and I'm convinced there's always like a loophole to that, people will see what I comment and other people could have mm -hmm. access to it even though we're not friends. Um, so I think that that's, you know, one kind of loophole that people, you know, because like you could be commenting something and the post could be like, oh, my my ex is like, you know, whatever piece of shit. And you're like, oh, yeah, mine, too. Or, you know, whatever. This is why I can't wait to get divorced. Sure. And you're not thinking in that moment because um, you're like, yeah, solidarity. And, you know, who knows who's going to have access to that information? The Internet is a public place. So I think it's um you know, in that that sense, we don't realize sometimes we could be, you know, incriminating ourselves. And then also, I think it's so, um, you know, although this is not my experience, I could easily put myself in somebody's shoes. If I was in an unhappy marriage and I was, you know, kind of on this road where I was going to get divorced and like I was feeling really happy because that was going to happen, I could see how easy it is to want um, everybody else to see like you're doing good right. or your ex to be like, you know, oh, she, she doesn't need me or, you know, so many things things we want to portray on social media we want other people to see it and um that could lead down a very slippery slope uh when you know in litigation and when you're kind of going back and forth and so i think it's better to not have it also i'm a like i have high anxiety if this were me right i would be like second guessing everything that i comment post like sure. you know so i was like maybe i wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole if you don't feel that way and you feel like you can really limit yourself and use it to you know, I, I really think anything could be misconstrued. I really think that people can interpret something, you know, different ways. So I just say don't do it. Yeah. And listen, it's also emotions run high. Yeah. And yeah. people, you know, just like a text can be misconstrued if you're being sarcastic. Yeah. Um, but then there's, and it's so prevalent right now in litigation and cross-examination and, um, I digress. So there are certain people that just, they make a living. Their livelihood depends on social media. So in those circumstances, what do you say to those people? Yeah, well, that would be me. You know, like my 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 existence, my blog, the way that I monetize a, a portion of my business is because I am on social media. And um, I would say be smart and think before you post. Um, if you ever coach with me, you'll know we don't post in the moment. We we write, we think about what we're going to do, and then we take a break and we come back to it. I love that. And that is like a golden rule. Everybody should be doing this, whether you're going through a divorce or not, or you have a business and you're thinking, because if you're kind of like on the fly, um, chances are you're going to either, you know, there's typos, you're not going to say the thing that you want to say correctly. Um, you know, so I think that it's important to stop and pause always. Um, 
one of my favorite characteristics of a person is like when you ask them a question and they have to gather their thoughts. I love that pause so that they can think about it because sure. the, you know they're stopping before they just say whatever the fuck comes out of their mouth, right? They're they're gathering their thoughts. So I would say if you have to be on social media because this is part of your business, um, think about the things that are um, you know that you're putting up there. Um, you know, I'm sure you as an attorney, perhaps you would have this conversation with your client. They would be like, listen, this is a very big part of how I make my living. I need to be on social media. Mm -hmm. Can you give me guidance as to what and what could be misconstrued? What is appropriate? What is not appropriate? Because I think that there's surface level things that are like inappropriate. Right. And then there are things that perhaps we don't think about. Sure. This is so this, it's very it's like it's analogous to sending out an email or a text message to your spouse yeah. or loved one or former partner, um, don't send it out immediately. Mm -hmm. If uh, you're going to post something, and I will often tell somebody, show me the email before it goes out. Show me the text message. Some people I have more trust and faith in on some clients than others, and the same goes for you know, the social media posts. Um, so again, I would love for you to just tell the audience how they can reach you. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram two places. Stephanie Linda Paradiso is my personal account. And then you can connect with me at Inspired Social Co. Um, also inspiredsocial.co is our website. So if you are somebody that is showing up on Instagram for your business, but you feel like you are just doing it because everybody says you have to be there and you have no purpose and no strategy, that is exactly what we can help with. Um, if you're looking to grow, yes, but then also figure out a strategy to take those followers and actual have actual conversion on Instagram, right? Make them into paying clients. Um, that's also something that we coach too. So definitely reach out. I would love to chat. Awesome. And do you, are you, do, are you meeting people in person or on Zoom? So even in a, a pandemic world, uh, pr pretty much what I do is on Zoom anyway. Um, but there are clients, like if you're local, we have co-working sessions together. There are things that I can do, you know, in person. Um, but a lot of what I do is remote anyway. So just if there are listeners that don't live local to Long Island, we can still work together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. I have one last question. Sure. I ask all my guests, what's your favorite sneaker? <laughs> um, Golden Goose. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I all feel right. like you could tell a lot about a person with well, what they it's a, say. It's all good. Listen, you know, we've had that answer before. <laughs> I'm a retro one guy. but uh, I'm not a big sneaker person. But I, I, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know anything about sneakers, but I like to wear them because I like to be comfortable. Perfect. Well, thanks so much. Thank you.